Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. I was about to say it without the microphone, but good morning, Southridge. I hope everyone is having a great day so far or a great morning. If you're not a morning person, um, I used to be, not anymore. Uh, but I just want to welcome everyone who's here for the first time. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Angel. I have the privilege to be a part of the worship team here. And I've been enjoying and having a great time being able to lead you guys in worship with the team up here. And I also want to start by saying uh, thank you. I mean, I am so grateful and honored for this opportunity. I thank God. And I also want to thank Pastor Micaiah. Because uh, he's uh, trusting me with his pulpit, you know. And I, Pastor Micaiah, thank you. I, I hope that this isn't the last time. <laughs> um, but we're going to continue on, as you just saw in the bumper video. We're talking about foundations, right? And we're going to continue uh, this week on solid grounds. And today we're going to be talking about evangelism. And I know that word right away. You're like, oh man, evangelism. I used to be that way too. And last week, we had a great time hearing about uh, another foundation in prayer with, through our Pastor Misael. And uh, today, again, I am honored to be able to bring God's word to you and, uh, and talk about evangelism. Now, let me ask you this. What does evangelism have to do with solid ground? Well, I'm glad you asked. Like Pastor Mercado said two weeks ago, we're coming into this new year where we want to start fresh where we're starting new foundations. We want to build new foundations, right? We want to lay the groundwork, the right groundwork, in order to build up properly for this new year. May it be um, you know, on a personal level, uh, at a professional, in your, in your jobs, uh, at church. But the point is, usually every year, we try to build new every year. Start with a clean slate. And first and foremost, that firm foundation we build on is Jesus Christ. Amen? And through his word. But then, for those builders out there, we know that we need those strong pillars and beams to build the rest on, to support the weight of what you're trying to build. And one of those, again, was prayer, and this week, evangelism. Now, the word evangelism can be very scary and unattractive. Let's be honest with ourselves. It can be. Because, why? Well, evangelism means the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. So that means, yes, you have to talk. You have to say something, right? And, you're, it's, and some of you are probably thinking, wait, you're telling me I have to communicate with others? I have a hard time even saying hi to people. How am I going to say hi and then, hey, have you heard about Jesus Christ? Right? Well, if you're not a people person, that can be terrifying. Because again, like I said, sometimes it's even hard to just smile and say hi. I guess right now with Master, it's easy to not have to smile, right? Um, but it can be scary. But even if you are a people person, it's hard to switch the conversation from everyday topics to a topic of beliefs, right? And But this morning, um, but, well, what I've noticed is it's easy to uh, talk about just about anything, right? But when it comes to your beliefs, it gets tough. 
Now, for some time now, church, I've noticed a couple things in, in the ch- churches as a whole. Okay, the first one is I've seen the lack of evangelism as a church. Aside from the major, you know, um, uh, outreach days, which is usually Easter and Christmas, right? But aside from those, more, there's not that many that happen in between those. You know, that's not, which is something I like about Southridge. You guys find a way to evangelize even on a regular Sunday. And I love that. Now, another thing I've noticed is the lack of evangelism on a personal, on a personal level. So, and that's the toughest one. But I've also noticed that when in our evangelism, we've had the incorrect message. And then I've noticed the reliance of corporate evangelism as we neglect our personal evangelism. And those things um, can, can, can really be uh, tragic for the church. And we're going to see why today. But we're also going to see how simple evangelism is supposed to be. And how hard we've created it. Now, uh, we're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew 28. And we're going to concentrate on, as many of you might know it, as the Great Commission. Right? We're going to be looking at Matthew 18, 18 to 20. We will be jumping uh, to other area, uh, other portions of the Bible uh, as we continue. But first, I'm going to go ahead and pray again. Father God, we just thank you again for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to gather together, Lord. This freedom we have to come together and in unison praise your name, Father God. Thank you for the worship team, for the worship songs that they let us in, Father. And now I just pray, Father God, that we give our whole attention to what you have to say through this, uh, through this word, Father. Thank you for giving us your word so we know how to navigate life, Father. Thank you for this church, for the, for the pastors you have given, because they, we can see, Father, that they are seeking you and your will. Father, lead us, Father, lead Southridge Church into a life of evangelism. We love you, Father, and all of God's people say, amen. Okay, so I'm going to read the passage really quick, and then we'll go from there. Uh, Matthew 18, 18 to 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Church, there is so much in those three um, verses. I mean, we can spend hours unpacking what that entails, but I promise we won't spend hours today. The first thing we're going to look at is the, the power and the promise in evangelism. Now, in verse 18, if we back up, it says um, that Jesus came... Sorry, let me pull it up really quick. Uh, Can we pull up the verse one more time? Um, And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're going to stop there. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. I used to be terrified about the idea of sharing my faith, as I'm sure many of us are, you know, or have been at one point, especially with those friends that I know live publicly in opposition to God and what his commandments say. You know, however, like I mentioned earlier, it's, I've noticed how easy it is to engage in conversations about everyday life. Like soccer. I love sports and soccer is my favorite one. You can ask me just about anything 
about any team or player, and chances are, I'll probably be able to tell you. I'll probably be able to tell you how much they weigh. No, I'm kidding, not that much. But because I love the sport, I invest time in it and learn about them so I can talk to you about them, right? And um, uh, also, I don't know about you guys, but something that I've noted, a a topic of conversation that is so popular right now is the stock market. Often I find people saying, oh, are you investing in stocks? Oh, I, 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 get, I, I bought this many, I sold, and um, I'm always like, yeah, I bought and I've been losing. So don't ask me about any tips on what to invest in. I promise you, you will lose money. So let's not go there. You know? But also, it's easy to talk about cars, um, working out, coffee. I love coffee. And yes, I can talk about coffee all day. There's that much about coffee to talk about. Um, but however, once the conversation switches to uh, our beliefs, it suddenly gets real. It suddenly gets nerve wracking. It gets intimidating and we become nervous. Why? See, because we live in a culture where you are allowed and encouraged to believe in anything you want. You are allowed to believe uh, and encourage to uh, believe in, in whatever is your truth, no matter how offensive and perverted it is towards God. But you are not allowed to believe in God and say that Jesus is Lord. Because then what happens is you become enemy number one. Oh, now we're those hypocrites. Now we're those judgmental uh, you know, Bible readers. That's what happens right away. That's where people's minds goes when we hear, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, okay. Well, have a good day, man. You know? And another reason why it can be so scary and hard to uh, evangelize is because we don't know what to say or how to say it. The reality is you will not talk about something that you don't know enough about yet alone try to defend it. Let me say that again. The reality is you will not talk about something you don't know enough about, yet alone try to defend it. So the reason so many Christians can or even won't evangelize is because we don't know what the Bible says. And I know that is a hard pill to swallow, but I've swallowed it many times. (laughs) The Bible tells us what to say, how to say it, and how to do it. Something I've always loved, um, I've, I've always taught um, youth Bible study. And, and one of the things I love about God's word is not only does it tell you what to do, it tells you how to do it. That way there's no, uh, but how do I do this? Well, it's in the Bible, <laughs> you know. So to successfully evangelize, we must know what the Bible says. And we will get into that in a little bit, okay? So that being said, verse 18 gives us more than enough enough reason to evangelize with boldness. Let me tell you why. Um, I love that in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, when he gives that command, you know, all authority has been given to me in, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Did you guys catch that key word right there? Therefore. Why is that key word so important? Because that implies that something came behind, therefore, because in result of that, blank. Okay? Now, that is all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And on earth. <laughs> therefore, church, when we understand 
that, that statement that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That is Jesus talking. That, that this is Jesus commissioning his 11 disciples to go into this world and win them over to Christ. Imagine that task. Imagine how intimidating, how overwhelming those 11 men must have felt. You, you, what? You want me to go into the nations? But he gave them a promise and power in that commandment. Because all authority has been given to Jesus, that means we have that power and authority. See, so if you don't quite understand, let, let me try to see if I can um, make a more clear picture. Okay, if I were to say, Pastor Micaiah, um, I want you to go and build your new building, the new church building. Okay, I want you to get the most expensive materials you can find, the prettiest, the sky is the limit. You can choose, design it however you want. Go now, therefore go and make the building, right? Realistically, his response would be like, are you serious right now? Heck yeah. Well, first off, how am I going to fund this? It sounds ideal. Yeah, thank you for that permission, but how am I going to go build this, right? Where is all, am I going to get all this money to build this building? Doubts and questions will arise because we're human. Likewise, when we hear the commandment, go and make disciples of all nations. Our, my, I remember my response was like, okay, good one, Jesus. Do you know how hard that's going to be, God? You know how hard it is to talk to my neighbor, yet alone try to reach the nations? Do you understand what you're trying to ask me to do, Jesus? And again, because we're human, those questions and doubts arise. Now, what if I were to tell Pastor Micaiah, hey, Pastor, here's a blank check. Absolutely everything will be funded. Therefore, go and build your building. And once you're done, write the total on this check. Now that he has promise and power to accomplish his goal, everything changes, right? So a command followed by power and promise changes things, right? So now what would happen is we would probably see a Micaiah-shaped hole on this wall getting ready to build that building. Why? Because he has that power behind that blank check. Likewise, just like that blank check, would give pastor confidence and assurance of success. Jesus too gave us that promise and the power and the assurance of success in our evangelism. Because he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He didn't say some authority. He said all authority. Now, what does that mean? Who gave Jesus this authority? God. God the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the giver of life, the mover of mountains, the way maker, has given this authority to his son. And because of that authority, commissioned us with that same authority to be successful. He is the one who is in control of all things. When Jesus said all power on earth and in heaven, he just doesn't rule the, the heavens, he rules the earth. Some people just don't want to admit it or submit to that, uh, that authority. So what does that mean? It means that every political leader, 
every governor, every president, all of creation submits to God as he is ruler over all. Paint that picture in your minds and you'll see the weight of that statement. All authority has been given in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is Jesus talking. Do you guys see that weight behind that statement? Because of that power and authority, we can be fully confident in our, in, in that we will have success when we evangelize. And I don't know about you, but that gives me chills. You know, that I, and I hope, what's it called, next week we come back with this bu- bu- building full. <laughs> but the God of this universe has given us a promise that because everything, he is ruler of all, we have that same authority here. We do. Now this takes us to point number two. The importance of personal and corporate evangelism. So why is evangelism so foundational in, in the Christian faith? Well, first off, aside from being a commandment Christ left us, right? Um, we live in such a broken, hurting, and evil world that desperately needs the same love, forgiveness, and promise that we have found in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that we were giving such an amazing gift through Christ Jesus when he came to live a perfect life, died on the cross, and he resurrected and now has victory over life and death. And that gift that he has given us, we need to share that with everyone because we were once there. I think we forget, when we become Christians, we forget that that person that you're, you want to judge, that was us one night. In fact, sometimes that is still us, even in Christ. So why is personal evangelism so important? Why is it not enough to just show up on Sundays and help whenever the church has an evangelistic event or in a community outreach event? Don't get me wrong. Pastor Makai's like, don't discourage them from helping. Don't get me wrong. Keep helping. <laughs> Keep supporting the church. But do not neglect personal, work, personal evangelism. Let me tell you why personal evangelism, evangelism is foundational. First off, it helps us grow in the knowledge of the Bible. Like I mentioned earlier, one of the main reasons we don't evangelize is because we don't know what to say. Oh man, what if they ask me about this? The answer is in the Bible. But what if they hit me with this? I promise you the answer is in the Bible. If you don't believe me, I challenge you to read it and prove me wrong. Again, we tend not to talk about or defend a topic we are uneducated on, right? So, I mean, for me, I like to engage in those conversations and I just smile and nod, fake it till I make it. But if they ask me a question, well, what do you think first? You tell me, right? So how do we fix that? We read our Bibles. And why? Because the Bible shows us the absolute truths about God, his design for all of us, and his plan for our lives. See, he wants us to live in a life of victory and an abundant life following his will. When we seek his word, we are seeking wisdom. There are so many times where I've read, one thing my mom always told me was, every morning, read a Proverbs and a Psalms. And oh my goodness, every morning, I, I gotta be honest, growing up, I was like, really mom? Again? Fine, I'll go and read it, you know? And then what would happen is, it would talk about anger, disobedience, love, respect, and I would find myself 
encountering a situation that day where I was like, wait, the Bible says this. Church, the Bible not only helps us in, in, in our evangelism, it does improve our lives. It really does. Because now you're a compassionate person. You understand that we are all created in the image of God. So that means everyone has inerrant worth and dignity. Everyone. What about the guy that, you know, completely opposes God? He does too. And we ought to treat him with that love and respect that God commands us. See, those, and sometimes we miss that when we don't know. It's easy for us to judge someone, to um, offend someone. But when we understand that we're actually offending God's image, that changes things. You know, it shows us how to love each other. It shows us how to care for each other. How to treat and value each other. And what, what happens is when we grow in the knowledge of the word of God, the result is more confidence when we share his word. Because now you're like, I know what the Bible says. I know how to respond in this situation. I know how to treat them with love and respect. And number two, it transforms your priorities and your thinking. So why, um, why is personal evangelism foundational? It transforms your priorities and your thinking. As I began to study the Bible more and more, I realized that God does not call us, call everyone to serve him the same way. He does not call us to serve him the same way. See, God's calling is different for everyone, but the commandment stays the same. God's calling is different for everyone, but the commandment stays the same. See, God's calling for your life and the position he will use you in or wants to use you in will be different than the position and place God wants to use me in. Will be different than the position he wants to use Pastor Micaiah, that he'll want to use Peter. But the responsibility and commandment to make followers, disciples of Christ does not, stay, does not change. Church, understand also that we can't compare each other's calling. We can't. Because it's easy for to say, well, yeah, he has it easier because he's a pastor already. Well, and, and yeah, right? No. See, Pastor Misael, Pastor Micaiah will not be able to engage in conversation with certain groups of people. You will, because that's what God's calling you. So we cannot compare calling. We can't. God's calling for your life is perfect for you. Where he placed you to use you is so you can be his instrument is a, an appointment from God. Some might say, Angel, I hear you. But right now, I'm concentrated in my career. I'm concentrated in um, making money to build a good you know, foundation so I can support you know, the cause better, the church better. And you know what? No problem with that. Finish your, your education. You know, accomplish your goal in your career, but make it a journey with God. We've made the mistake of separating those two things. We think that we can't follow God's will in the midst of our per personal life, in our midst of our personal goals. We think we can't overlap the two. But the reality is that's where we follow God's will. Because we're out there more than we are in here. Right? See, man has made 
the simple commandment of ev to evangelize, to share, so difficult. In verse 19 to 20, Jesus gave that commandment to the 11 disciples. After he had just spent three years with them, doing life with them every day. So when he said, hey, go and teach them what I have showed you. There was weight behind that because he had just done that with them. He had just spent three years showing them how to be like him. Showing them in their everyday life how simple it is. Some of you might not know what a disciple is, right? We're, we're commanded to, be, to make disciples. Now, a disciple is a follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. So that means that we are called to develop followers and students of Christ by showing them everything that he has commanded us. So how does making disciples or followers look like in our everyday life? You know, first... Um, first and foremost, when evangelism is foundational in your life, it means that we know that we do all things as if we're doing them for Christ. Because that changes everything. That means that your job, even though you might hate it, you might not stand those around you, it means you are the best employee because you are doing it for God. It means that you're at your school, that, that one teacher that everyone hates, it means that you're still the best student because you are doing it for God. See, that changes everything. That changes things. Because now you understand, I get to represent Christ where he has placed me. I'm not there just to make money, to make a living. I'm there to represent him. Isn't that an awesome opportunity? I mean, what a privilege. Right? That is a whole new perspective. And to be honest, unless evangelism is foundational in our lives, it's a hard perspective to live by. Because... If we're not driven to make followers of Christ, the reality of, of life, you know, hurts will over, over, overshadow that desire to make followers of Christ. You'll start seeing how crappy your hours are, how messed up some of your coworkers are. And that's when we start losing sight of why God placed you there. See, when you live a life of evangelism, it means you're walking your talk, right? And so what happens is people will begin to ask you, hey, why are you so joyful in this, such t in this terrible job? Why do you follow um, directions? Why are you always the first one on time here, the last one to leave, the first one to say, hey, let me help you with that? Or at school, hey, why do you try so hard in this class? This teacher sucks, and we get the opportunity to say, because I love Christ. It opens doors. See, but if you were to say, hey, I love Christ, and your life shows something else, that shuts the door. Do you guys see that? Now you see people believing that you believe what you believe in because you're applying it. Like Pastor Micaiah said, we have so many opportunities in our everyday life to depopulate hell. I, I remember when he told me that term, I love it. I was like, oh, dude, that's awesome. You know, the concept of evangelism, church should not be scary or, 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 or um, intimidating. Because if we do it the, how the Bible tells us to do it, it'll become easy and simple in our everyday life. But it does say commitment. It does take sacrifice and passion. 
but it's not hard because of that power and promise that he has given us. See, man has a tendency to take a simple commandment of God and make it so much harder than he intended for it to be. Man has a tendency to take a simple commandment of God and make it so much harder than he intended it to be. See, you don't need to carve out a specific amount of time of your day. Okay, I'm going to, you know, make followers of Christ in this time from seven to, you know, to nine. And then from here, I have to go to work. No. And often, the first thing we think of when we have to make followers or disciples is, oh, I have to give them a Bible study. That's not what, that's not how it is. You make people a part of your day. It means if you're going to go on a run to work out, don't invite me. I hate running. No, I'm kidding. If you're going to go on a run, invite a buddy that you've been trying to reach that probably likes running too, or else they'll probably say no. <laughs> but hey, hey, man, I'm going to go on a jog. You want to come with me? We can stop and get some coffee after. And boom, you're walking, you're running, you know, or sprinting, whatever space you want. <laughs> but then you get those doors open. Hey, man, how's your week been? Are you struggling with anything? Do you need any help in anything? How can I pray for you? You see how simple that is? And a lot of times, listening is more powerful than anything you're going to have to say. Because it's easy for someone to, to say, well, this is what the Bible says, or I think this. And it's easy to say that when you have no idea how their life is because you don't spend time with them. See, if you're going to go eat, I'm sure everyone loves eating, right? Hey, invite someone. Hey, man, I'm going to go have a burger. Join me. It's okay, I got you. Or say, it's free, Jesus paid it all. You know, you don't always, I'm just kidding, pay for your food, guys. And tip well. That is another simple way of showing your gratitude for God, the way you tip. I, I heard a story that the worst, that they asked um, uh, restaurant servers, that what, the, um, what is their least favorite crowd? And they say the crowd after church. Imagine that. When I heard that, I thought they were joking. And that hurt me. It's like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Because they say they're the rudest. They expect the most and they tip the worst. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine how simple it is to say, to leave a good tip and say, hey, can I pray for you this week? And now that question has weight because of the way you treated them and how you're tipping them. See, you didn't give them a Bible study, right? <laughs> don't, don't be that guy that, you know, you meet someone new. Hey, do you know where you're going? To, uh, you know, or where you, you'll spend the rest of your eternity? <laughs> no, say hi. <laughs> you know, welcome them. Open that door. <laughs> You know, and then Acts 1.8 says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. The verse tells us a couple things. First, we were reminded of that power and promise through the Holy Spirit that guarantees us success in our evangelism. And then it tells us that we start at home first. It means that you start with your unsaved family. It means that you start with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your classmates, and then you can move on to your city. But it starts at home. Culture is changed little by little. Culture is not changed from this pulpit. 
Church, understand that. Culture is not changed from this pulpit. You start on a personal level. You begin to impact your neighbors, your coworkers by the way you live, by the way you love them, the way you forgive them, and then that leaves an impression on them, and then they impact their friend group. Do you see how that works? See, what happens is this. When we live a life of evangelism, any outreach event the church does as a whole holds more weight. I'll tell you why. Because the church will do an outreach event, you know, and oftentimes we'll give stuff out, we'll have a a photo booth, we'll give toys out, we'll give food out, and then they come and enjoy what what the church has offering in that moment. And by the grace of God, it does impact some people's lives. But more often than not, they come enjoy, consume it, and then go back home and live, continue to live the way they were. Have you asked yourself, why don't they come back? Why isn't those, you know, evangelistic events as a church more effective? Have you asked yourself why um, during the pandemic, there wasn't people lining up outside the churches seeking refuge and help? I asked myself that same question. And, and, and through God's word, this is what God said. Because aside from those couple events that we do throughout the year, the church is absent in the everyday life of those people. The church is absent in the lives of our coworkers, of our hurting coworkers that need help, that need support, that need someone to listen. And that should hurt us. Let me tell you, it hurt me. <laughs> In Acts 2, 45 through 47, we see that the early church, they began to sell their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many had any needs. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being safe. Now, church, this verse isn't telling us to sell everything we have. Or to me every day in church, because I promise you'll probably get tired of me by the second day. <laughs> That's not what this verse is saying. But what this verse is tackling is the heart's posture and willingness to obey. Meaning, if God calls you to sell a, a, some of your possessions in order to provide for someone... It means you're willing. It means that you recognize God's got me. I'm, I'm going to bless others with what he's blessed me. It means that sometimes we might have to sacrifice a couple of Starbucks trips to provide for gas or food for someone else. I know that's, that's a tough one, right? Everyone needs their Starbucks in the morning. See, but when we live with evangelism being foundational, We're willing to obey. We're willing to be the instrument God wants to use to bless that hurting person. It means you are willing to obey God. You know, this verse isn't telling us to live in some kind of utopia where everyone is equal in possessions, income, and so on. No. It's saying be that vessel, that instrument God wants to use to provide for those around you. You know, one of the many things I love about Jesus is he always tackled the heart, the sin issue, but then he provided for the need. He would heal someone. He would feed them. And sometimes we get content with just saying, you need Jesus. 
Yeah, but I'm also broke, dude. Hey, if God's calling you to provide for that, it means we obey. Because the Holy Spirit working through your personal evangelism not only affects us internally, it transforms us externally as well. It changes the external. See, if, if, if evangelism was foundational in all the church's members' lives, the church outreach events would be more effective because the church practice what their pastor is preaching. See, the most common critique towards Christians is they're hypocrites. They're judgmental. They're mean. They're angry. They don't practice what they preach. Church, let's turn the tables. Let's practice what we preach so that when we invite them, there is no barrier to what the pastor's preaching up here. Because what will happen is, yeah, those, that church, Southridge Church, they showed up when I was in need. Not the church as a whole, but that one individual. And that other individual also came and supported me, prayed for me, provided for me. And that sets up success to what is being preached on the stage. Because they come in and they believe, oh yeah, these guys have been proven it. And the result is that the Lord adds to their number every day. Let's finish up. The message of our evangelism. We are giving a specific commandment to go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then we're giving a specific message. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What is the message? It means we preach Jesus. It means that we preach that resurrected Christ who came to die for you and for me. Who came to live a sinless life so that you and I didn't have to because we couldn't. He rose again and gave us the gift of eternal hope with him. See, in a nutshell, that is the message of Christ, right? But how does that look like in our everyday life? It means that we are his hands and feet when he calls us to be. Matthew 25, 35-40 says, For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, which is you and I, God's children, will answer him saying, Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The message of Christ not only changes us internally, it changes the external. It means that you feed those who are hungry. It means that you, you give something to drink for those who are thirsty. It means you hold up those who are tired. Doesn't, it doesn't say, hey, give them a Bible study every time. No, it means do life with them. Do you know why there are secular movements out there forming and advocating for equality, for change, for justice, fighting for those who are hurting? Do you know why it takes us, those secular movements to fight for them? Because the church has either been silent on these issues or has lived out the wrong message. We don't need these secular movements. 
these movements have the incorrect definition of justice, of, of love, of equality. It's not that the Bible doesn't tackle those issues. It's that the church doesn't obey what the Bible says. Because it's all in here. We don't need to look to others, to, to these secular movements, to know that we, we need to treat everyone with love, with respect. We don't need that. We have the correct definition of what it is to be like Christ. And Christ is love, peace, forgiveness, goodness. And we are called to be the same. Yes, we are to tell them that we are sinners in need of a savior. But we are also to impact their external lives and do life with them. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Do you guys remember these cards? Who's your one? Church, the time is now to make evangelism foundational in your lives. Who's your one? Are you still praying for them? Are you still checking in on them? Have you reached out to them lately? Are you teaching them to be a follower of Jesus by doing life with them? This week, I encourage you to reach out to your one. Now, if your one got saved, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now it's time to make them a follower of Christ by the way you represent Christ. And then you know what? It's time to find your other one. I encourage you to live lives of evangelism, church. Let's stand up real quick. Let me remind you, church, how simple it is with what the Lord said. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Church, start small. Start simple. But church, start. It's time to start. And hold on to this promise. And behold, I am with you. This is Jesus talking. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's close our eyes. And I just want to encourage you this week. I want to pray for you. If you're struggling with your evangelism, if you're struggling to just live, you know, the life that God has called you to live, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. All eyes closed. Because we're in this together, church. We're not here to make you feel bad. We're here to encourage you, to remind you that we all have the same struggle and that we all need help and that we all need each other's prayers. I see your hands. We're going to be praying for you. And, and if, you're, if this is your first time and you're like, what is this? I want you to know that Christ changes us. That Christ changes our hearts, improves our lives, but more importantly, gives us eternal hope. Thank you for joining us today if this is your first time. And we're going to pray right now. Father, thank you, Lord, for your message that we find in your word. I pray, Father God, that we seek more diligently to read it, to learn it, and obey it, Father. May we be your hands and feet in our everyday lives, Lord. May this year, may we make evangelism foundational in all of our lives, Father. 
because we want to see your kingdom grow. We want to see Southridge grow. May Southridge and all of its members be the instrument you want to use to impact the Bay Area. Help us, Father God, to honor you and obey you every day of our lives. I pray for those who have never received you in their hearts. May they open up their hearts and their lives to you, Lord. May they come and see the goodness and riches of your love. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And all of God's people say, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.